0: Welcome to Tiger Paw Radio, the podcast that tackles all the challenges and opportunities of channel convergence. If you provide managed IT, managed print, VoIP, security, or other technology driven services for your customers, this podcast is for you. Tiger Paw Radio, exploring channel convergence one stripe at a time. Well, hi, everybody. Wes McDonald here, and welcome to another episode of Tiger Paw Radio. I'm really excited today to have Jason Bystrack in from uh, DH Distributing. And one of the things that we've noticed really taking flight, um, it's kind of a pun that I'm making there, is the uh, growth of the cloud and the opportunities that are there for you know people that are looking for it. But it's certainly a, a confusing space. And uh, certainly, uh, there's a lot of expertise out there to help us navigate what that really means as an opportunity to make sure that it becomes less cloudy, if you will. Uh, So Jason, as I like to do in these things, um, I don't wanna introduce you, you know yourself better than anybody. So maybe you could tell me a little bit about yourself professionally and add one interesting thing about yourself that maybe people don't
1: know. Yeah, sounds good, Wes. Well, first of all, thanks so much for having me today. It's good to catch up with you again. Uh, As you said, my name is Jason Bystrack and I'm currently the vice president of the cloud and services business unit at D&H Distributing. You know, for those that aren't familiar with DNH, we're actually a 104-year-old company, uh, been around for a long time. So as we say, this isn't even our first pandemic that we've been through. But uh, we really specialize in selling IT products and solutions to SMB partners who serve the SMB market.
0: So let's maybe narrow down um, just into the opportunity at hand. I do have some stats here that I want to share first. Um, I actually put together an e-guide on uh, basically converged services and what that opportunity looks like. And one of the things that you know uh, managed service providers and managed IT providers were looking for was well, first of all, give me an idea of the market size and opportunity so I can decide if that's you know a big enough area to go into. And probably more importantly, how is it growing, right? And the cloud opportunity was quite interesting. The last time I checked, a two hundred seventy-two billion dollar opportunity, which is absolutely massive and that the compound annual growth rate, uh, was about 24%. So maybe what we'll do is now get you to dive in and tell us what is this modern cloud opportunity, right? Um, what is it for providers looking to diversify? Like how can they actually attack this and benefit from it?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't mean to oversimplify it, but you know, really when you define and think about what cloud is, it's, it's not really a new technology. I would say it's more a way to deliver technology. So you think of the two broadest categories for cloud, you know, one is software as a service or SaaS. And that's really about, you know, changing and packaging up the way that software is delivered. You know, somebody else hosted, delivered typically in a monthly payment model, and then infrastructure as a service or IaaS. You know, similarly, instead of giving someone a server or data center infrastructure, you're kind of just, you know, buying time in somebody else's data center, right? (laughs) And as far as the opportunity for the channel, um, some people thought that cloud was going to really disintermediate the channel. I, I think the opposite. It's made it so much more complex that you know these end clients, especially in the SMB market, they need assistance deciding what cloud solutions to use, how to you know migrate into the cloud. Uh, those consulting and, and professional services opportunities should be monetized by channel partners and MSPs. Absolutely. And then once they're onto that cloud platform, it's really a matter of kind of you know setup and customization uh, of those solutions, the ongoing management and support, because quite literally you can't go up and hug your server anymore, right? <laughs> yeah. If that client has a problem, they got to call somebody, and it just plays perfectly into the MSP's business model that typically is you know first of all already equipped to provide those wraparound services. And secondly, you know, their businesses are typically engineered in a monthly financial model. So it's just more recurring revenue to your bottom line. So uh, it's a great opportunity around cloud for MSPs.
0: Yeah, it is an interesting one. And you kind of, you know, nailed it earlier when there was this panic of, well, you know is the cloud going to completely bypass the channel, right? And I certainly haven't seen that happening either. And I was listening to another speaker at one point uh, talking about this idea that, you know the channel also has sideways directions, right? That it's not, just about the you know the hierarchy, the up and down, but it's these touch points that uh, come in and around to be able to support the solutions. And it sounds to me like that's what you're saying. It's like, yes, you can get the thing uh, on your own, but first of all, which thing do you get? And then secondly, the ongoing management and usefulness of that, because th- the only purpose I can see, you mentioned that there were two points. One is the infrastructure piece of it, and the other was the delivery model um, to make sure
1: that that's actually accessible and usable by your business, right? A lot of the cloud vendors or providers, however you want to label them, they operate with this assumption that they're the only thing happening for that end users IT environment. The fact is, is that there's oftentimes a number of different cloud solutions that are in there and that client really needs somebody to help aggregate the delivery and the ongoing support you know, of those services. So it really does take an MSP to step in and make that happen.
0: Yeah, it's interesting you say that. And I think uh, just in my own life that you remember when uh, Netflix, uh, you know, first started, it was the only streaming option and people said, well, why would you need anything else? And now there's 10 of them, right? And that there are actually um, needs for people to manage all those things once there are so many options again, right? You mentioned earlier sort of uh, infrastructure as a service, uh, software as a service, and then of course, everything as a service, right?
1: Yeah, the, the way that that you know we define X as a service of DNH really is, you know, again, it's everything as a service. So it's really taking any of the hardware components of that environment, you know, bundling them with any of the cloud or software that the the user is is has in their environment, and then adding in services to it, and then combining those three things into one, you know, single payment model that uh, that they can consume easily, right? So that's what everything as a service is. And as, as far as what the opportunity is, if you think about if your end customer is starting to use something as a service, right, like whether it's just the software part or just the infrastructure, you know, why not go and change an experience as quickly as possible to make it everything as a service? Because then they become, you know, more reliant on you and they benefit from that true consumption model, uh, you know, at a service model. And oftentimes there's even tax and financial benefits uh, in addition to the, you know, pay as you go type of model that goes with it. So I think a lot of the savvy MSPs are starting to package up these things and are really trying to give that single invoice experience each month, which is exactly what that program is.
0: Yeah, one of the expressions that I can remember in my early days in uh, sort of my professional career, they, they always talked about one throat to choke, right? In other words, to give people fewer, you know, vendors to, to work with. And I had this conversation with someone the other day about how vendor consolidation can really make a big difference, even on. Uh, the customer's bottom line, right? That if they have 10 vendors that they're dealing with, um, that that can get very tricky, that's 10 phone calls or 10 people they're looking to for support or you know this, that, and the other thing. And I think what you're saying is, correct me if I'm wrong, but that you can consolidate those things together and really have that, you know, uh, give the customer that peace of mind that you're the one person for the entire solution, right?
1: No question. And another benefit, that's obviously a great benefit to the end client you just laid out, but the benefit to the MSP also is really the stickiness and the refresh cycles. So let's just say that you put them on a three-year contract. By the time you finance it all together and work it through, uh, and by the way, there's a lot of ways to finance it. Doesn't have to be on your own dime. There's, there's plenty of programs. We uh, yeah. have a great one. But what you really are benefiting from too is the refresh cycle. You know what we've seen when you look at a project-based IT deployment, where like every let's just say three years they refresh it. You know partners tend to collect that refresh about 60 to 65 percent of the time from the stats we've seen. In this as a service model, you tend to maintain the service at about 90%. So that's about 10% attrition. And what that really does is that every three years, you're getting a new transaction to refresh all that hardware and all the upfront payments. The customer just keeps on going with their same monthly payment as it ever was. Very similar to what we see like in the smartphone model. So you're really turning uh, their IT environment into the smartphone type of model, which really makes it a win-win for you and for the customer.
0: And I, and I think that um, going forward, that's a good trade-off is to be able to have that stickiness. And I had no idea that the, the refresh rates were that strong, right, in the, in the 90th percentiles. You know, that's amazing. That's a really great reason that you think people would want to do that, right? Everybody is talking about artificial intelligence and big data. I don't remember. Uh, there was a movie by... Um, I think it was Steven Spielberg, uh, AI, do you remember when that movie came out? And that was kind of when things were all fresh with artificial intelligence. Well, here we are all these years later and it's happening, right? Um, a podcast that I did actually about a year ago, um, I got my hands on some artificial uh, intelligence software for voice mimicry, right? So I had to record my own voice. It used machine learning to be able to understand my voice patterns and everything else. And you know, after a while I could uh, then just type and it would actually figure out my you know, patterns, right? So this idea of machine learning, artificial intelligence, big data, it is game changing. Uh, we see examples of it, but is it practical, right? So even when I did that, that voice thing or uh, played a chess game with a computer that was actually using artificial intelligence, there wasn't any practical benefit there for you know, me as a business owner. So do you have some ideas uh, or advice on how providers can actually monetize on these pieces of the cloud?
1: You know, I think we tend to look at these big tech trends and we we look at them as this holy grail to get to, and therefore we make it all complex and a lot of mystery behind it, and therefore we do nothing, right? <laughs> so I think you've got to kind of chunk it down into <laughs> steps that are actionable. You know let's start with you know with big data first. Um, you know if you define big data, it's really taking a company's data aggregate together in a way that's accessible for everybody and then augmenting that with third party data in order to you know add more information to make better decisions right ai then comes in and puts some automation into some of the workflow and decision making processes you know to make things faster and less human touch i mean that's kind of what we're talking about here but the fact is when you're talking to an end customer I mean, you know, oftentimes they don't even have their data aggregated. So let's start with that. Right. How do you use an MSP? Maybe say, okay, we're going to put all your data into this, I don't know, this Dropbox platform, and we're going to build some workflows and increase accessibility, and you can get it without a VPN, you can get it on every device. So your big data now is that you actually can all see and use your data in your files. You know, you start there. And then maybe you say, okay, you know, you look at some of these providers that you work with and maybe you like Dropbox or Teams, there's a lot of different ones. They start to have different plugins for third-party providers to bring in more data and supplement it with things, right? Whether it's DMB data or some kind of industry research data or things off the internet, Um, you can start to bring that into it by using some of these third-party plugins. So now you're getting to bigger data. And then the artificial intelligence piece comes in again, you can look at some third party, uh, you know, plugins, they're going to build some of that automation and process flow. And I think as you're taking this journey with your customers, it's important to figure out, you know, where are your skills going to be? You really start to get better at either becoming more vertically focused or line of business focused, So you can provide advice on what, what is a best in class workflow or our way to use that data. So, you know, I think you've got to continue really to educate yourself around that journey. My point is you don't have to do it all at once. You can do that over time and start to build that out and take that journey with your customer. And at each step, you know, you're know you bringing in opportunities for additional services, project, and, and, and you know, ongoing support services, as well as as you're introducing those additional plugins and, and software, there's revenue and margin to be made off of that SaaS or, or infrastructure vendors that you're putting in place there. So think of it as a journey uh, that we're all gonna go through a little bit over time and just keep educating yourself.
0: Yeah, I am a a data junkie. Right. And, uh, you know, from my history we've known each other for a lot of years that I worked for companies that actually collected uh, device and user, you know, print level data. Right. And man, like the stories that you could tell with that data, number one, and then be the power of that data. Once you started amalgamating all your customers all together, Right. And I can remember the first time we actually looked at, uh, different verticals. In other words, saying, okay, we've got, you know, over 6800 customers are all giving us data on how they're printing what kinds of things they're printing what does that look like in healthcare right because once you start using that data opportunities start boiling to the surface that you probably didn't know were even there just from the patterns of putting that data together right and like you said man you marry that with some uh, industry data like what you were providing dnh uh you know get out of the way right because now you've got even more power but it is pretty pretty simple to start right just make sure you start using the data i love that uh, kind of approach
1: yep we're starting to see a lot more partners you know we're talking to helping build those practices and you know it's a little bit of standardization um, you know, what do you compare start off like i kind of made it simple like dropbox or teams or you know sharepoint things like that OneDrive, whatever you want You know, we sit down and talk to partners about comparing and contrasting those platforms so they can start that journey. And once you do, then you start learning more about that. You learn about those plugins and processes, and we can really immerse yourself with it. So, you know, it's a great way to approach it.
0: Yeah. And all these platforms that you talk about for data storage, are you seeing that becoming more standard that organizations are starting to use things uh, like, uh, you know, Microsoft Storage or uh, Google Drive or, you know, any of the other ones to actually have this? This infrastructure in place versus storing it in their own location?
1: Oh, absolutely. And you know, I, I tell you, it was already on a very fast trajectory. And you gave some of those stats. But uh once the pandemic hit and people had to, you know, work from anywhere, educate from anywhere, that just just skyrocketed, right? I mean, you know, come on, how many times a day are you using Zoom or Teams yeah. or Webex? <laughs> I mean, to the point where it's it's crazy. Uh you know, as the people return to the the normalcy of, of the way we were, let's say. You know, we're hearing and expecting that to actually continue where, you know, a lot of people are talking about hybrid work, where you might work from the office a couple of days and home a couple of days, now that we've kind of gotten into this. Well, this same technology is going to be the answer. You know, we're seeing people start to, you know, take that, If they, let's just say they use Teams. They start on Teams and, you know, they're you're expanding that platform into their huddle rooms and video conference rooms at the office. So when you have a 10-person group, let's say, you know, four at home, six in the office, well, it's the same platform you're on. And then you rotate that the next day. So people are really starting to, I think, get the bang for the buck out of the technology and truly adopt these platforms and they need help. That's, that's what we all can do as MSPs and, and partners here.
0: Yeah, it's funny, you know, before the pandemic, I would probably do a, a video uh, conference call maybe once a week, you know? And now I would say that it's at least two, thir- two to three times a day, right? And so, uh, it's become part of my DNA. So it's not just for recordings like the interview we're doing today. Uh, but just how we actually communicate with people it's almost like you know you kind of look forward to actually seeing people again right and when i first started doing a lot of the video conferencing uh, people oftentimes including myself would even have the cameras off right because you just weren't as comfortable you know kind of being on camera but now it's just become so normal you know normalized right it's amazing um one of the other things i want to talk about I i always love to you know talk about you know security right and we've seen some big examples of uh things happening uh, with infrastructure right with bad actors shutting down all pipelines and and hospitals there was recent news uh, in my neck of the woods uh, in toronto one of our hospitals was uh just had suffered a ransomware attack literally two days ago and you know shut down emergency services and they were using the emergency room to basically redirect traffic to other hospitals right like you know terrible stuff so when we kind of look at the cloud uh, and i don't know it very well but i feel that it's safer i haven't heard as many stories about things coming out of cloud-based systems. Is it safer against ransomware or is it not? Like what's the what's the story there for security?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. And, and you know, I think when people are discussing cloud and somebody's afraid of it, right? Especially like an MSP or something doesn't really want their customer to go there, they throw up the security blocker right away or, or someone protecting a job, let's say. But I think the reality is is that you know if you divide it out, let's start with cloud infrastructure services like uh, like Azure and AWS or Google Cloud platform. I think it is safer. And the reason is is that these are enterprise class security technologies that are deployed in those environments by the providers because they know that you know, they have to protect that. And oftentimes that same technology is not affordable for SMBs and mid market size companies. So just by using those platforms and that infrastructure, you're getting a better class of security than you typically would. You know, where you really see the, the root cause for a lot of these security breakdowns actually happen more with the users and at the endpoints. Um, so you know, I think you're you're very safe to use that infrastructure. And I think that as an MSP, you really need to spend some time helping to layer in the security practices and protocols at the endpoint. So you're deploying best practices around things like multi-factor authentication and using right. a cloud access security broker to kind of make sure that the SaaS app and the data is proper. Uh, you're protecting your email with encryption and anti-phishing solutions. And one of the most important, it sounds so basic because it's not so technical, yeah. <laughs> training training yeah you you need to sit there and have a playbook to advise you know technology users of the things that they need to do to protect themselves and to avoid and all the policies and again all of those things right obviously there's products that you can make margin from that's great but there's a lot of services to deploy and training can be a very high margin service once you standardize a playbook like that you should absolutely be doing that Um, and even post sales helping with things like compliance and audits and things to check up to see how people are doing with it. So um, you can develop some of that yourself. I know that at DNH we've helped to develop some of it. And a lot of the vendor partners are really starting to to get into that. You know, I was talking to Proofpoint, for example, right? They've got a whole training thing that you can go and, and resell those solutions to the customers to do that. So there's great ways to handle that.
0: And, you know, in the cloud, I'd always assume that at least there was some backup and redundancy, right? That if you're hosting your stuff in the cloud, it's not actually sitting in one location, that there probably is some kind of mirrored distribution, right? And at one point in my career, I actually did uh, sell storage arrays. So if you remember sort of uh, IBM uh, Shark Storage, Mm -hmm. and then, of course, when NetApp came in with, uh, you know, more of their network uh, attached storage, and this idea of RAID and mirroring and, you know, things like that, that it's very, it is very complicated. I think it's still very complicated, but in those cloud infrastructure providers, you're already doing that. And and I got to guess, Jason, that they have teams of security specialists that are larger than our companies will ever be, right? Just the security specialists alone. No question. We're at that point in the interview now is if you just had one piece of advice for MSPs and managed technology providers that are looking to find some opportunity in the cloud in their businesses,
1: what would that be? I only get one, huh? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I, actually, I, I have an answer for you, West. Um, I <laughs> I think the one piece of advice I would give is to tell MSPs to get more involved in business applications. Uh, I think that's what, you know, what we're seeing is what the, the next mile is and where that the, the savvy MSPs will go to. And, and here's why, you know, a lot of MSPs and channel partners are just very focused on infrastructure. They're really good at designing and managing and supporting, you know, servers and storage and network and all that and that. That's all well and good, but think about it. As things move more eventually to software as a service, right, you're not touching any of that infrastructure. That's up to the SaaS provider that's hosting that. So you're, you're no longer adding value there. You think about the network, right? Um, I believe that as as 5G becomes more pervasive, that why would you have a network in your business if you're starting a business today? You're like, look, I'm going to get you a notebook that's going to connect to 5G, and here we go. Right. So now you lost the network. What do you got left? You know, you've got the devices, but I think on top of that is you being able to consult and customize and implement you know, business applications. And that's going to force MSPs to get a bit more specialized in vertical markets to be good at that and understand that tech, you know, that that vertical space. Um, And I think that also line of business, right? Understanding, you know, maybe you can specialize around, you know, HR applications or uh, or sales applications or, you know, operational ones. You know, if you can start to do that and start to wrap your services around, you know, that endpoint device and how you access it and then the applications themselves for support, uh, you're going to really build a winning winning strategy, I think, that's future-proof.
0: Well, that's great. I, I can't thank you enough. You've certainly made things uh, less cloudy for me. Really appreciate that. And I know that uh, both for our viewers and our listeners, uh, depending on whether they're listening to us on our podcast or watching uh, the video. And so we come to the end of another exciting episode of Tiger Paw Radio. If you'd like to listen to more, please be sure to visit www.tigerpaw.com slash podcasts. You can also subscribe through your favorite podcast platforms to be sure you never miss another episode. And until next time, keep learning, keep growing, and keep that inner tiger strong.